tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 17, 18, and 19. And just as a reminder, this is a spoilerful podcast. Uh, just of Carry On, we will not be spoiling anything from Wayward Son. All right, so chapter 17, uh, we are with Simon, who has been has been methodically looking for Baz in the woods and pissing off a dryad because he's just hacking away at the forest with his sword. The dryad reluctantly agrees to tell him or Agatha if she sees Baz. Giving up on the woods, Simon does a thorough search of the school and many of its hidden places, including the catacombs, which Simon has thoroughly looked for Baz in the past, in their fifth year, and we get an excellent section where we see that this is not new behavior for Simon mm-hmm. at all. In chapter 18, we get Lucy's POV, where she is also sort of wandering around the school grounds, reflecting on her school days, and how much she actually cares deeply about the fact that the Mage's Revolution to get every to get Anyone with magical abilities into Watford, still a great idea. Still a terrible dude, but a great idea. Lucy is 100% in agreement with us about the mage, <laughs> actually, is where we're at with that. This is true. Um, chapter 19, Simon again. Two months into school, Simon's still looking for Baz, and Simon and the mage talk. It is not helpful. No. All right, let's get started with... Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong somewhere else. We get an excellent passage of uh, dialogue between uh, Simon and Baz, where Simon is reflecting on the last time he was stalking Baz with the catacombs. And uh, we get a little bit about how magic not being powerful enough to kill a plague and it probably wasn't supposed to be topical, but in 2020, it is. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Uh, which begs the question, would Ring Around the Rosie work for COVID? That's a good question. Was the Black Plague a virus? No. Should I look, should I look this up? <laughs> should we look this up? Yes, we should. Bacterial infection. Transmitted through fleas. I guess I didn't realize you can get bacterial infections from flea bites, but I guess that makes sense. So to answer your question, I don't know if Ring Around the Roses would work for COVID. Um, I just love that, like, everyone keeps asking Simon the same question and he, like, still can't figure out the answer. It's just like, what do you seek? And he's like, fuck you, you don't know me. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm looking for bass because reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, Simon. Uh, what's next? I just want to point out. I mean, the whole thing about the mages men, I'm hoping we're going to talk about later. But mm-hmm. the fact that the mage has actual songbirds delivering messages to Simon, like the mage is the most fucked up Disney princess, <laughs> just brought me nothing but joy. <laughs> yeah, I I love it too. I was ready though. Like the first time this spell came up, you were like very upset about migratory songbirds. So I am prepared for you to have feelings about that this chapter. It's it's your moment. What's wrong with a little bird told me? I like honestly don't remember what I what my anger was about this before. <laughs> oh yes, no. My my problem is if this is just plucking random birds out of nowhere, leaving you messages. Like sometimes birds have shit to do, like migrate thousands of miles, you know, in a very kind of narrow time frame. Like that could fuck up a migratory songbird to be like, oh, well, I gotta deliver this message to some chump across campus. And not flying to the next waterhole with the rest of the birds on my way south. That's, I mean, I think that's a legitimate criticism. It's just very concerning. So, unless you're specifically just using, like, you know, pigeons or other birds that, like, are just everywhere and are often basically sort of invasive species slash just very common enough for it. Yeah, or birds that live in one place year-round. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I think that uh, a little bird told me might be one of the spells that I wish would work in real life. Because nothing would be cooler than having A, bird friends, and B, just being able to tell people things like, and it's like, here's a little chickadee that's going to deliver you a message from me. Yeah. Real... I, it, it'd be so great. <laughs> so great. I'll just tweet that to you. And as a bird show. Oh shows my up. God. Shut up. <laughs> I could not. I could not. I could not make that reference. Uh, anyway, I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Uh, mm, okay. The next one I want to talk about is how much I love this dryad. I love her clothes. I love her attitude. I love, yeah, I love that she too is like so onto Simon and calls Baz his handsome blood eater, which is so great. And also very accurate. (laughs) Yeah. It's so great. And I just, I think, you know, when you think about a dryad, there's like a very specific visual aesthetic that comes up and it is 100% not a manga girl with like an umbrella and like combat boots but i'm so glad that this is the dryad that we get yeah i know i would read more about her and her adventures with her dryad friends oh my god (laughs) yes if you write that fanfic please send it to us oh my god yes please we will uh, we will definitely read it because i'm sure it'll be amazing yep i just (laughs) this is like my last point I'm just really glad that Simon continually says fuck you to the uh, mage. And he's like, maybe you should leave school. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. It's like, yes. Yeah. He's like, I can't. I have to find Baz. 
He is somewhere around here for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I can't say what the reason I need to find him is, though, but I have to do it. It's really important. He's, da- <laughs> he's dangerous. <laughs> this is the bad thing that no one knows where he is. Yeah. And it's up to me to find him because I have very strong feelings about this. And it's like, you sure do, bud. Yeah, so strong. <laughs> <sighs> um, so I love that this is another one of those like very transparent Harry Potter references where Rainbow Rowell's like, I fixed it for you. Where Simon has followed Baz around for a year and like gone to all of his sports matches and all of this stuff. Uh, because he was sure that Baz was quote-unquote plotting, and it's like, yeah, this is book six, right? And, yeah, it's just, like, this, like, very, like, straightforward uh, Harry Potter crossover that's, like, only this time. You don't have to read subtext. It's just the text. Yeah, I feel like this is just a very clear outline of, like, I mean, I think I've probably said for the record that, like, I love an enemies-to-lovers trope, so much and oftentimes it is often just subtext because creators clearly don't know what i want um, <laughs> and i just feel like when you have characters that are just like so obsessed with like their enemies it just crosses eventually and often i feel like really pretty early on it just kind of passes the point where it's just like are you just guys is this just like a like a it's just sexual attraction and right. like because this this has really gone beyond like I have to destroy you 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 know it's kind of just like no now this is just kind of like are you guys flirting by being enemies because it's kind of what it feels like yeah totally I'm here for it and I'm just glad that Rambo Rowell is finally giving me what I want which is we don't have to have a love triangle because this is clearly what it's about anyway <laughs> uh i loved the, the the painting that cries the gif carved into the wall i think part of it is that i just love how rooted in like our world this book is and so like having a gif reference in the same chapter where we get a like infect all of metropolis reference mm-hmm. i'm just like yes thank you turns out i'm just like really here for fantasy books that are like aware of like the world that they're set in also that the whole thing just sounds really cool right and just like the kind of awareness where it's like if you're a character living in this world yeah you're gonna fucking know about superman and like if they make those references you're gonna like know about gifts and it's just kind of like yes thank you yeah you know yeah so Right, because that's that's what we would think if we saw it, I think. And so it just, like, makes Simon such a more, like, relatable character. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, yeah, that's, like, probably the same thought that I would have if I saw that. Yeah. Um, and then my last thing for the for Easy Come, Easy Go is just how much 100 points to whatever Rainbow Rowell's house is. I assume it's Hufflepuff. <laughs> For the fact that this chapter, chapter 17, ends with the line, every night I turn back when I get to the end of my rope. Because he means it literally and figuratively. Uh And it is a beautiful (laughs) sentence. (laughs) I just love it so much. That's so good. And that is an excellent sentence, you are correct. 
Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Let's talk about the mages marry men. It's not what it's called in the book, but they're all wearing green. And I feel like the... The whole Robin Hood aesthetic. Yeah, the like Robin Hood slash like militia the, the vibe that they're yeah. going with. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all men, which is a, a choice. thing. Yeah. yeah. It really is. I mean, I guess I can't be shocked that the mage is a sexist piece of shit, so. No. I mean, I feel like that just, like, plays into our our whole reading of him as a weather underground bro, too. Yeah. And it's, again, I just, this book is just so well written. And, like, this, this line, like, it, it didn't have to be there. It, like, we didn't have to have it, like, blatantly stated that they're all men. It never comes up again. It's not critical to the plot. All it does is serve to show us what a fuckhead the mage is while we're also getting all of this information about how the mage is, like, absolutely, like, who we all were when we were, like, 20. And by we all, I mean, like, you know, people in our subset of society a- ang- angry angry leftists angry, yeah angry, angry baby leftists, leftists yeah. it's like i know exactly what the world should be and like i would be 100 percent fine with like being the boss of all of it and like i know better than everyone like the mage is like so relatable i'm like oh my god all the things i hate about you are the things that make me want to crawl under a rock when i remember previous me the, the mage re- also read a bunch of uh, Earth First literature and uh, what was it? The Crime Think, like, anarchist? Yes. yes. It was it was Crime Think, wasn't it? Yeah. I went to a Crime Think convention. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I just had the books, which... When I say that <laughs> <laughs> the mage reminds me of Baby Lark, I am real serious. You know, I've... You know, I've been there. <laughs> I also pulled crime thing out of like teenage Jesse's past, you know, past feelings about blowing shit up and whatever. Are you even a good person if you've eaten food that didn't come out of a dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking oh. capitalist. <laughs> uh Oh, no. Yeah, that was like I feel like every every white anarchist I knew <laughs> in like high school and college, where it's like, but wait, don't you have a trust fund? Shut up! <laughs> oh my god! This... <laughs> uh, anyway, 100%. to anyone that any to anyone else that finds the mage deeply cringeworthy because of you saw yourself, it's okay. You're not the only one. That's what we're trying to say. And there's hope. Because if you just, like, listen and pay attention, you can grow up to be me and Jesse instead of the mage. So <laughs> that would be way better. Yeah. yeah. You can, like, learn how to, like, hold yourself accountable and, like, listen when people offer you meaningful criticism and, like, learn and grow as a person. Uh, and then hopefully change the world without being, like, a giant douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally. Ideally. Like, for example, look at the segue I'm about to pull out. Uh-oh. 
Mitali, Lucy's friend, a.k.a. Penny's mom. I don't know Mm -hmm. if we know that at this point. But the person Lucy is talking to in this chapter is Penny's mom, who, when they're teenagers, is like, um, of course only the best magicians should have access to an education because that's what she was raised to believe. But when we meet her in the future, she has grown and changed and hates the mage because he's a big asshole, but also agrees with a lot of his reforms. So be Mitali also. Yeah, be 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 opening be open to changing your, your worldview for the betterment of uh, other people. So yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk about that though, that conversation between Lucy and Mitali, if that's cool. Yeah. I think my biggest question is like Lucy says that her brother barely knows how to use his wand because he didn't get into Watford and like her parents almost got divorced over it. And I don't think that I understand why they're not homeschooling him or like getting him a tutor. I mean, it does seem weird that there wouldn't be tutors, but maybe, maybe, her family finds it deeply shameful to need to like have to find him a tutor Mm. as opposed to just going to Watford, especially considering how small the magical community seems to be. I know like those things aren't necessarily like accessible to a lot of people. And I, I think that if we weren't given the information that like the world of mages is pretty unilaterally like, well off i Mm -hmm. wouldn't ask that question so flippantly i want to just clarify but i think i don't think we have any reason to believe that like lucy is coming from like a a family where they couldn't very easily afford to get her brother a tutor yeah yeah and i think that's why that i went to just like and and i say shame because i feel like what seems to be a thing with like rich people is like maintaining this like facade of it like you know everything being fine, everything being normal and having to like admit that like something was wrong with one of their kids is like, everyone would know because mm. the community is so small and I'm sure there's like already a lot of drama and backstabbing and gossip and like all that kind of shit. And then obviously this isn't good for Lucy's brother, but I think, I mean, sometimes parents just do shitty things, not for their kids, but just to keep up the appearance of like that their family is normal mm-hmm. or what have you. But yeah. I guess it's kind of like what happens to him, I guess. I mean, that's the question, right? And mm-hmm. and is a, a really good question because this that chapter with Lucy really gives us the impression that even from, like, the wealthy old magic families, there are sort of a select few who are going to Watford and there are no other magic schools. So, like, if he's an example of what happens to all the kids who don't get in, like... What are what are they what do they do? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I think we learned in the in a previous chapter that the mage was the first person in his family who had enough power to get in to Watford, which means that his family going back is still a magical family, like a consistently magical family. So like, if they aren't being educated at Watford, how are they learning to use their magic? And like how are they finding each other and whatever yeah yeah like how are they living their life it's kind of like i mean they're obviously not 
normals and allegedly they're not like intermarrying with normals which i think this obviously exposes that lie completely because yeah. because if everyone's finding their spouses at watford if you don't go to watford what's happening right yeah it's, it does it does kind of like throw a lot of things into question unless unless we think it through where it's like the magicians are trying to keep the normals from finding out like maybe they're just straight up killing people that like don't have enough magic whoa that's a a wild thought it, I, I mean and i mean obviously there's maybe other they maybe people just move like that's also a possibility but like i kind of i, don't, I mean i don't know if if the kind of sense that we get from like the pure blood old families is that they're kind of ruthless it's kind of like i guess maybe all of the kids who don't get in end up sort of like living in like punk houses like magical punk houses <laughs> like... oh my god this goes back to our anecdote i know <laughs> they're, oh they're all dumpster diving and like wearing clothing that has like anarchy symbol patches on it yeah i mean i feel like kind of like they maybe some combination of like uh irl punk houses and like the hedge witch like magic houses from the magicians where it's like people just you know learn a spell or two and then like they're teaching each other and so maybe these kids figure out how to use their limited power like later in life yeah um, I, I mean i i hope there are hedge witches who are like have a hedge witch community in this world definitely probably one of the cooler things that come out of the magician series is there being like still gonna find a community somewhere or yeah. like what happens if you don't get chosen for your fancy magical school so yeah okay uh what else? now that we've taken this both dark and light <laughs> right right to us please let us please tell us what you think happens to the kids who didn't get into watford before the mage came to power yes please anyway yeah all right my last thing is just that uh simon refers to himself as the mage's bomb <sighs> simon yeah i had a lot of feelings about that same simon's self-esteem issues just hurt me very deeply and the fact that somebody doesn't come from the mage makes me just want to stab the mage yeah <laughs> from how much he's fucked over poor simon yeah simon you're a human being yeah and the that the mage I don't know. Simon is just like this like helpless, I mean, not helpless, but like emotionally, like kind of helpless little baby who just is like, I want to help. Right. And like, it would be so easy for the mage to sort of like give him something that made him feel like he was helping. Mm -hmm. Right. And instead he just is like, I'm going to come get you when I like need to pull out the big guns so that you can like, go off and destroy my enemies but until then like fuck off i'm not talking to you it's just (sighs) upsetting it is upsetting also sorry side note who the fuck is running to school while the mage is just fucking driving around in his military trucks with the all these angry all these angry young men like what who is you have a whole fucking school to run my dude what what i mean I don't, I don't even know what, like, a headmaster does. So I'm like, what? The teachers, but probably headmasters have jobs. I, don't I mean, they're kind of like principals, right? Principals do stuff. Yeah, what do they do, though? 
administer, I don't know, stuff with the budget? I don't <laughs> We have no idea. Why do I know what a principal does? I feel like, I'm like, wait, why don't I know this? I mean, they just like sit in an office. I don't know what they do. Manage the teachers? I don't know. These are excellent questions. If you are um, a high school principal, please direct or a school principal, please write to us. Because we have no fucking clue what you do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Please write to us. Uh, if you are a school principal and also you're Robin Wood from Buffy, um, please come to my home in person <laughs> to tell me about what you do for Oh work. my god. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. It's all you. All right. My only, then my only kind of landslide point is about, so Simon, when he's talking about the, oh my God, I'm totally going to mispronounce this, which is part of my point, actually. Uh, Liberty. Liberty gibbets. Gibbets. Sounds good. Gibbets. Simon mentions that, like, sometimes he has a hard time pronouncing words, and like that is one of the reasons why he considers himself not a good magician. Mm-hmm. Which makes me to my point of what the fuck do you do if you have a speech impediment in this world? Like, as people who listen to this podcast have probably realized, I often smush together and mispronounce words all of the time. I would probably injure myself if I had to be a magician in this world. I was just thinking about this too, and I think, no, I know it's going to come up, more as we move through the books because in this magical world there are magic well, I guess there are two in, in Harry Potter but like there are uh, very specific magical disabilities that you can have so like for sure that's one you also you can't cast if you can't speak so like what happens if a mage is deaf right you get like a throat injury and you're like yeah i mean right if if for whatever reason like you don't have access to that like you like can't do magic and that's i feel like if i were to ever write a like books about people being in a magical school despite the fact there'd be so many more drugs and fucking is that i would really want to explore like how magic and, you know, physical and mental disabilities and how that would work out, you know? Because mm-hmm. you would think that, oh, it's magical. You could just magic that thing away. But it's like, and it's, that's a, I feel like a cop out narratively. Or you kind of like dig, you kind of dig into that and you're like, right. Like if you are a deaf magic user in a world where magic is primarily is heavy based on like speech do you end up creating like a magical system based on like sign language you know because it's not like the magic goes away you're still a magical person and there can't just be one way of doing magic that's fucking ridiculous so anyway i don't know someone needs to write that series (laughs) that's all i gotta say i mean i am 78 percent serious let's write a fantasy novel jesse oh okay yeah let's do it off, this is off one separate meeting conversation, but yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
Killer bees of the mind are pretty much the most nightmare fuel thing. Maybe in, maybe not in this book, but definitely one of the top things in this book. It's like, again, weirdly topical, even though like whoever's resetting our timeline got rid of the murder hornets. <laughs> but like, we remember the murder hornets. It's like, now it's like a fucking mandala effect thing. Like, <laughs> we're like, we all remember that, right? Like the murder hornets was like a thing, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, Fliberty gibbets gibbets what g sound do you want that word to have i feel like i've heard this word pronounced but i can't connect what i feel like i've heard it pronounced and what it's coming out of my mouth i think that we get to choose what g sound it has so what sounds better to you i think gibbets liberty gibbet yeah Yeah, that does sound way better all right liberty gibbets are very very upsetting And I guess a question that they raised for me is like, okay, do magical things only attack magical people? I would assume yes, Mm -hmm. because we don't know about them. However, it describes them going after animals, non-magical animals, which then makes me think no. So are people being attacked by Fliberty Gibbets and just like don't know it like normals? Yes, which is oh, horrifying. No. That is horrifying. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you want to talk about sexy stuff? I do. Great. Send shivers down my spine. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we get sexy. Where's Baz, Jesse? Where... Where is he? He's gone. What an excellent question. This is very upsetting to Simon that he's he's not in the forest and he's not hidden in the weird hidey places in uh, Watford. He's not in the catacombs. It's also like so sweet that Simon thinks that Baz is at school. Like what? Why Why would he be missing at school? Like what are you doing? But it just, like, gives Simon a sense of control, I guess, over this, like, feeling that he does not understand. <laughs> yeah. The capital uh, R reasons that he needs to find Yes. Baz. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, he's searching the forest in a fucking grid pattern like you do when people are missing in the woods. Even though there's no sign at all that Baz is in the woods and went missing, you know? Yeah. All, okay. This scene... In the catacombs, where Baz is standing so close to Simon, just, like, antagonizing him. I think I wrote, like, ah, in (laughs) my book with my pen. Because I just was like, that scene is, like, so sexually fraught. Yeah. (sighs) Oh. Yeah. And then, like, Baz is just draping himself across, like, piles of skulls. And it's just like, what is happening? It's too (laughs) sexy. It's like, I don't know. I haven't actually read any Anne Rice vampire novels, but I guess it's kind of what I would imagine, like, would happen in an Anne Rice vampire novel. I know. It's hot. That's what I have to say. It's just real hot. Um, you know what else is 
shockingly hot, um, especially if you're a plant nerd, which is um, <laughs> when the dryad refers to Agatha as Simon's uh, pistol and stigma. And I was oh. like, whoa. <laughs> 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 I was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Does that... That has to mean that the Dryads have watched Simon and Agatha hooking up in the woods. Probably. Or at least... No, it does. Yeah. There's... It has to. (laughs) Oh, man. The Dryads have seen so many people at Watford have sex in the woods. The Dryads? Oh, my God. They have, like, the free porn channel. Yeah, you would think that knowing that the Dryads were out there would curb everyone's desire to go in the woods but probably not yeah but like i feel like the we get the impression that the dryad's like not gonna snitch you know yeah she's like totally unconcerned with like human affairs lol no That's pun true. intended <laughs> maybe, maybe pun fully intended i mean it would have been if i had thought of it before i said it <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, there's no way she's, like, using, like, plant sex language when she's not referring to sex, I don't think. Yeah, that is true. Because it's, like, very directly plant sex language. Yeah. Yeah, I highly encourage folks to look that up if you're not a plant person. You're like, I'm not going to tell you about plant reproduction. <laughs> I also really loved the line because it just plays so beautifully into everyone asking Simon what he's seeking where baz (laughs) says you found me it's not my fault if you still haven't found what you're looking for oh my god that whole thing was like oh shit i know (laughs) everyone knows literally everyone knows (laughs) oh god so good i love it i love it so much (laughs) This is the horniest podcast. <laughs> Hashtag slow burn, the slowest of burns. I, I like, honestly considered the slowest burn being the name of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's totally fair. It's so slow, but it's great. It's great. Do you think that Baz has put Simon in his thrall? I mean, no, because he clearly does not need to. <laughs> it would be like, what is different? Nothing has changed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magical science. I want to talk about Watford. Yes. There's hidden rooms. There's a whole hidden floor. That hidden floor is fucking cool. I know. It's like, that's so fucking rad. Yeah. There's a moat under the moat, which means that there's like an underwater cave which is my, like, very specific... I don't know what it is. What is a thing where you're like, I'm very into this, and also it horrifies me? Because, like, underwater caves trigger my claustrophobia, 
so intensely, but I think they're so cool. I am so excited about an underwater cave and I always want to like watch video from underwater caves and then I'm like, oh my god, a human is taking this video and then I'm going to have a panic attack. I don't know what the word is, but I know exactly that feeling. Um, also, the underwater caves under the moat is clearly where the kids should be bringing their dates to have sex because you don't have claustrophobia. That seems pretty romantic. But how do you... I mean, they're full of water, right? If it's a moat, you have to cast the under, bubble head charm. If it's under the moat, though. But it's a, still a moat. It's a moat under the moat. That's true. Yeah, but Simon would not have been able to cast much of a charm to be able to breathe underwater, probably. So there must be some kind of, like, air cave situation, mm. you know? Kind yeah. of like an underground pool, I guess. No, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what else? Uh, I just want to talk about uh, being good at magic okay. at Watford, in which Simon talks about and kind of talk about why he is not good at magic, which is you really need to value yourself more, Simon. But uh, So anyway, so you need to have a good vocabulary, quick thinking, good at speaking, and to understand what you're saying, which is kind of a lot, honestly. <laughs> I feel like the things I speak normally like don't have all these qualities. Like ninety percent of the time, you need to value yourself more, Jesse. Thank you, I appreciate. That. <laughs> Take your own advice. I, it's really hard. Take your I, own advice. Really I, this this really is my with Simon. I'm like Simon. Your low self esteem is really calling me out on my low self esteem. Please, <laughs> can you just value yourself a little bit more? <laughs> I think that you possess all of those qualities, all of the time. Almost all of the time. I don't, maybe not when you like first wake up in the morning. I don't know a lot about that. But like whenever we're <laughs> talking, you possess all of those qualities. Oh, thank you. I feel like I had a point to bring up these points. Yeah, but now I've complimented you. So you're like really uncomfortable. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> um, so it's good that we kind of get a sense of like what you need to be good at magic mm-hmm. in this world. And like, I don't know, it's sort of like, and like it seems like this is the thing where going to school for magic is useful because it's like, you can like learn about magical phrasing and kind of like, you know, understanding of like magic and like, you know, the meaning behind the actual magical worlds, mm-hmm. words, which just to pick an example, really not the kind of sense you get for the Hogwarts education. <laughs> Not even a little bit. It's like you could just buy a book and like learn some spells. Like, do you really need to even go to Hogwarts and not almost die every year? No, you're like, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> damn. I'm just like imagining, uh, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting, like giving his speech about paying for an education that he got for $5 in late fines at the library because that's like, absolutely accurate that you could get a Hogwarts education for just library late fines if there was a public library. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have to be a, a genius to do it. Yeah, you just have to have like hard work and rote memorization. Down, yeah. Which is basically how the U.S. education system works. If you're really good at rote memorization and bullshitting your way through essays, which also comes turns up in Harry Potter, then like you're good to go. Yep. But yeah, but here we get like some like fundamentals of the magical world, which is really cool. It is really cool. 
and really interesting to think about and like I don't know it makes it seem like the fun parts of learning would be the parts of learning that were like prioritized in the teaching there where like you're not just supposed to like memorize it you're supposed to demonstrate understanding which is just so much more fun yeah (laughs) yeah and i and i really feel like i mean aside from the fact that simon needs to value his worth more it also just kind of highlights that it's i feel very almost relatable that like simon's kind of like he's like a self-proclaimed like sort of like mediocre magician Hmm. because like not everyone is good at like remembering vocabulary words or like quick thinking which is i mean totally dependent on your brain chemistry in a lot of ways you know and like good at speaking and enunciating and and pronouncing words so i mean i guess i'm just trying to say that it's like being a good magician in this world seems hard like you you would have to like work at it and like sometimes like some people just don't think in a way where it's like wordy I guess in a sense or yeah that's what I'm trying to say no I think I I do think or at least I want to ask you if you think that you could be good at some of the things but not all of the things and still be a good magician Mm. because I feel like okay like you aren't great at understanding nuance and so like maybe double entendres don't work for you, but there's still tons of spells that aren't double entendres that you could use. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I guess the flexibility in that it's like, if the magical words are like common phrasing, like, right, you could obviously use like, you know, if like puns or double entendres, like just don't work for you, you could just, you know, have something very straightforward, like a little bird told me. And right. Like, and be really good at just kind of like really solid, straightforward spells and not kind of tricky, word play nerdy spells. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing that I was thinking about is that, like, with things like double entendres, if you have them explained to you, you can understand them even without, like, fully understanding them so I feel like with some of the stuff where Simon's like I can't do that I think it might actually just be a confidence thing because Mm. like if Penny's like this is why this is why that's funny right or like this is why that thing does the thing it's I think it's probably well I mean obviously he has issues getting his magic out but like if he didn't have that sort of like other separate block that is because of him being the chosen one I feel like he could probably successfully cast those spells if he just had the confidence to be like I can do this thing yeah no I I totally agree with that I definitely think you're the part of it is a confidence thing do you want to talk about the famous mage poets Carol and Seuss yes I sure do okay so, A, like, even if they themselves weren't mages, like, obviously Dr. Seuss and Lewis Carroll would have created a fuckload of spells. Uh, yeah. But I would really like to talk about what their, like, what some spells they would have created might Ooh, be. Ooh, yeah. And would just like to start by saying, if, like, this kind of magic was real, and Dr. Seuss like dr seuss phrases could be turned into spells 
Dr. Seuss would have single-handedly saved the world. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, he covered every major societal issue in one book or another. Like, literally everything from, like, environmentalism to racism to war. Like, all of it. We could live in literal paradise right now if Dr. Seuss lines could be spelled. It it would be like that meme where, like, someone will be like, you know, this is what the world would look like if X or Y had happened. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, a beautiful, like, utopian, like, futuristic paradise. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. One of them that I was thinking about that I think is just because it's really topical right now, but that I have a, a question for you about. So I think that Sneeches are Sneeches would... I was just thinking about that one. <laughs> ...be a really great spell, obviously, for, like, ending bigotry. But then yeah. I wanted to know, like, is that a compulsion spell? I don't know. I mean, possibly. Or is it sort of a, like... It's like a universe brain spell. <laughs> I was just like thinking sort of like an unveiling spell about this is how the world really works. That's what I want to think. Yes. I'm sorry that that you thought that. Yeah. Yeah. It just like breaks down whatever the like block is so that the person like understands. Yeah. I just want it so badly. I know. (laughs) Actually, I do really love the story with the stitches. I'm like. I used to have, like, an orange t-shirt that had, like, a white star on it that I always, like, thought about that story whenever I wore it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, seriously, we would be in a utopian paradise if that were the case. Yeah. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. Like, boom. Oh, I can't fucking raise down that forest. That would be wrong. Yes, it would. Well-reasoned. Yeah, totally would. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Oh my god. I know, I feel like it, like, hurts me a little bit to think about <laughs> this being a possibility. Yeah. Are there any other ones for Seuss specifically that come to mind? I guess I wasn't thinking so much about Seuss, but maybe a little bit about uh, Lewis Carroll, because I'm just like, what the fuck, like, what the fuck weirdness would come out of fucking the Jabberwocky, which is already such a fucking weird So... I did think about that one. I think that the Vorpal Blade went snickersnack would be a badass battle spell that would probably yes. be illegal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Because snickersnack is not a thing. It would be like a, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the line that follows is he killed it dead and with his head he went galumping back. So like yeah. that, yeah, that would be like, someone would be like, yep, that's a, spell that no one should ever do yeah exactly um one that i think would be great i spent a lot of time thinking about this these are these are books that i am deeply in love with so no i want to i want to hear all your thoughts about them so uh i think probably the spell itself would probably just be begin at the beginning but the whole line is begin at the beginning go on till you come to the end then stop but like Mm -hmm. A spell that you could cast for, like, when you had to give a presentation? Oh, yeah. Keep yourself on track? Oh, my God. Right? Our podcast would be so boring if we could cast that (laughs) spell. It would be 20 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. 
that's the only other one that I wrote down. So I was like, I could probably do, I mean, maybe we should do something on Patreon about this because I could probably go on forever. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like we should definitely talk about like Alice in Wonderland as like a, just a treasure trove of magical potential. Truly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time, we will be discussing chapters 20 through 23, that is including chapter 23. So get those read so that you can enjoy it along with us. What are words? If you like this podcast, make sure you check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, where we discuss Harry Potter humorously yet ruthlessly. You should uh, follow us on the internet. And it is The Gaily Prophet on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and The Gaily Prophet Pod on Tumblr. And our website and our Patreon, which you should totally give us cash to continue making this your fine podcast. Yeah, and if you subscribe to our Patreon, you get all of the episodes of Escape from Reality early and with lots of bonus content about how horny we are. (laughs) And you should also uh, go rate and review our podcast because it makes us really happy and also it helps other people decide to listen to it. So be cool like uh, Sydney the Sinner and Luia, L-U-I-A-G-H, uh, who left us really great reviews on iTunes and made us feel really smiley and happy. Don't you want to make us feel that way? You do. It was really, it's always really great to read some reviews and know that y'all like what we're putting out into the world. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet in between the episodes, uh, I am on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit, and I'm on Instagram at Live from Detroit. I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi. That's L A R K M A L A K A I, or you can get a tarot reading for me by going to my website, which is larkmalachi.com. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. All the other music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time. Scott Scott a moosh. A moosh. <laughs>